wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? And welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio here today for October 5th, 2017. I'm Graham Gia Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, before I head out for my first ever Fozzie concert later on tonight in Worcester, Massachusetts, which I'm absolutely excited for, we got a big episode of Wrestle Rant Radio coming your way here today. We've got an exclusive interview with TNA, GFW, Impact Wrestling, whatever the hell you want to call him, superstar James Storm. He's been one of my favorites for a very long time, a former TNA World Heavyweight Champion in his own right. Got to talk to him this past week, a part of TNA's weekly conference call. Got to talk to him about Bound for Glory, his feud with Bobby Roode, his constant uh, reinventing of his character and stuff like that. Really, really cool guy to talk to. Looking forward to playing for you guys momentarily. And then immediately after that, we got previews, picks, and predictions for this Sunday's WWE Hell in a Cell pay-per-view presented by SmackDown Live. And for the first time ever here on the show, my good friend at Spencer Hunt, he was supposed to be here on the show last week. It worked out perfectly where we could talk this week as well about Hell in a Cell coming up this Sunday. So it's a big two-part episode here today for the price of one. I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, before we get started, though, a few things I do want to mention. The new episodes of Wrestle Rant Radio. For any new listeners out there, hit nextairwrestling.net every single Thursday. You can find me on the socials at WrestleRant on the Twitter machine, on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Matthews, and also on YouTube at youtube.com backslash C backslash Matthews. And I'm also excited to announce this as well. Coming up next Thursday right here on the show, today we got Spencer, today we also have James Storm. Coming up next week here on the show, we've got WWE superstar Sin Cara talking about the new WWE partnership with Reebok Classic and Foot Locker and his new line of merchandise coming out with them. So I got to talk to him earlier today. He was fucking cool. That's going to be released on October 13th, which I believe is the day after we will talk on Thursday when our interview airs here on WrestleRant Radio. So we got a stacked month here on the show. I'm also in talks with Tommy Sharp, my former WrestleRant Radio co-host who I haven't seen since May. Uh, we're in talks to do a reunion show at some point in the next few weeks. And I've also had another interview in the can with a college humor worker who's going to be premiering on uh, Hot Date Pop TV's new show in early November, who's also a wrestling fan, Brian Murphy. Follow him on Twitter, at CHMurph. I was going to play that here today, but that was before the Hell in a Cell predictions ran long, and I talked to James Storm, so that's probably going to hit the airwaves in just about a month on the November 2nd episode of WrestleRant Radio. But let's focus on the here and now, guys. Before we get to Spencer and our predictions and picks for Hell in a Cell this Sunday, let's talk to James Storm. Impact Wrestling Superstar, about his time in TNA, Bound for Glory, Bobby Roode, and much more. Hey James, this is Graham Matthews with Hinremote.com. Uh, first and foremost, I wanted to thank you as I had ordered a hat from your merchandise store a few weeks ago, and I'd taken a few weeks to get there because there was a mix-up in the mail, and you ended up including a, uh, a wristband with it, so I wanted to thank you for that. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome, man. Sorry it took so long, man. 
like I, I mail it all out myself, so sometimes my schedule gets messed up. And, you know, and like I, I think yours was one. The address was wrong. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I just wanted to say I appreciate that. It's a great hat. But anyway, my question for you, uh, your Bound for Glory 2012 match with Bobby Roode is one of my personal favorites, but you've had a number of great matches at the event over the years with the great Muda on the main event of the 2014 show in Japan, uh, EV2, yeah, EV2.0, Team 3D, among others. Uh, does any one match of Bound for Glory stand out as your personal favorite? Uh, you, you know, you, you said it, uh, the 2012 with uh, Bobby Roode just because, you know, that was this, the kind of the blow-off uh, of our feud, and uh, it was actually supposed to be for uh, for the world title, but you know stuff just kind of got mixed around, and uh, you know I'm not worried about it. But you know me and Bobby just wanted to go out there and you know just beat the hell out of each other. And I always tell everybody like my best feuds have been with my ex-partners. Uh, you know even with Gunner, like you know, we just go out there and we just beat each other up. And uh, and I always tell everybody like I think the better friends you are, <laughs> the more you beat each other up. So I, I would definitely have to say maybe like like I said 2012 uh, your first world title victory took place a couple days removed from Bound for Glory back in 2011. Uh, from your understanding, was having Bobby Roode lose his shot at the title at BFG that year only to have you win it on the subsequent show the plan the entire time, or was that a last minute decision? No, uh, how, how I'll explain to me, it was kind of like a last minute decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, cause I know Bobby was supposed to be going over, <laughs> you know, on Kurt at the at the show and I was watching the match uh, and then that happened I was just like what happened and then I just got changed at the last second and then uh, you know then the next day at TV is when when they told me that you know we're going to do a deal where we just put the belt on you or whatever and I was like alright well let's, let's do it okay cool but yeah it was just it was just kind of just hit I think both me and him just out of the blue like you know because it was just changed so fast uh, at a split second but you know being the professionals we are like it don't really bother us. We just uh, just roll with the punches and just keep going. Few stars can say that you've been around, that they've been around for as long as you have, for over 15 years, as you said, and remain relevant and continue to reinvent yourself from beer money, America's Most Wanted, the cowboy persona, the DCC, and so on and so forth. Uh, what has gone into your various transformations? Uh, just life. <laughs> you know, just, uh, just trying try to keep up with the times and just, you know, just having all these different life experiences and just kind of learning from them and then putting putting these life experiences into my character and, uh, you know, just, just going out and just seeing if it works, you know, not being, not being afraid to try new things. And you know, a lot of guys are, are afraid to try new things, especially on TV. And I said, you, you don't know until they work, you know, and, uh, until you try them. And it's just one of the things that, you know, I think it'll help getting out of the impact zone is uh, a lot of guys can try different things and see how they work in front of the crowds, especially if we do, you know, house shows and live events or whatever. And, that, and I think that's what kind of hurts a lot of guys, too, is because, you know, back when we were running strong with uh, the house shows, you know, especially beer money, like we'd go out there and we'd do stupid stuff to see if it worked. Uh, you, you know, and that's how we started out with the beer money suplex. Uh, you know, we started doing it on house shows and it started catching on, so we started doing it on TV and then, you know, different house shows, we'd practice other things and if it worked, we'd use it on TV. If it didn't, then we'd scrap it and something new. Big thanks to Cowboy James Storm for his time. Again, that was part of the weekly Impact Wrestling Conference calls ahead of Bound for Glory in just about a month, which I'm looking forward to. But I always look forward to the conference calls. Like this week, I got to talk to James Storm. Last week here on WrestleRant Radio, I played my 
brief snippet of an interview with Ethan Carter III. I've talked to Lowkey, Sanjay Dutt, Trevor Lee, Bobby Lashley, Johnny Mundo, Eli Drake, a lot of cool TNA stars. Their roster is more stacked now than it has been in a long time. So if you're not already tuning in, check out Impact Wrestling every single Thursday on Pop TV at 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 Central. But enough about TNA, enough about Impact Wrestling, enough about GFW. Let's get down to brass tacks, people. Let's talk hell in a cell this coming Sunday. As I mentioned earlier, my exclusive guest for today's show, at Spencer Hunt on the Twitter machine. Please allow me to welcome him at this time and giving our picks, preview, and predictions for Sunday's pay-per-view. Spencer, how's it going, dude? Uh, I'm doing great. You know, it's great to finally be on the show. You know, it, you know, sometimes you have to fight to find the right time, but it looked like it worked out for us. Definitely, dude, definitely. We're able to hang out with Noah as well. Shout out NJ, uh, NJ Wade on the Twitter machine to Noah uh, over <laughs> WrestleMania weekend earlier this year, which was awesome. But uh, you said you were in Denver when we were DMing earlier. Were you at Raw by any chance uh, a couple days ago I or no? I not. It's actually, it's actually funny you bring that up. I got to Denver uh, yesterday, so on Tuesday, and SmackDown Live was in Denver as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't get a chance to go, but I'm, I'm actually here for work for a convention. And uh, there was a big supply and partner show for a convention last night, and uh, The Miz was here, so I got to actually meet The Miz last night, which was really cool. I am so fucking jealous. That's crazy. <laughs> I saw a picture of that. I saw a picture of... He tweeted something yesterday on his Twitter. It wasn't very... Uh, they didn't give any specifics. He literally just tweeted the picture of it said... Miz signing, like uh, autograph signing from here to here, and I saw people taking pictures with his IC title. Was that the one that you were at? That is the one I was at. It was very unexpected. I'm actually here for Sonic Drive-In. We have our national convention every year, and this year it's in Denver. And I don't know who called the shots or how they made this happen, but I guess he was part of the lineup. And uh, so I saw the Miz sign, and I said, I can't not do that. (laughs) (laughs) Did you get a picture uh, of the IC title? or? Yeah, yeah, I held it. Um, which was super cool. It's, it's definitely looking worn. You know, mm-hmm. he's had that thing for a while. Um, but, of course, super nice guy. I dare say it was an awesome experience. I was just about to say, that sounds absolutely awesome. So I'm already jealous of you as we kick off the show here. That's fucking great, dude. Uh, but Miz is on Raw. We're talking Hell in a Cell this Sunday, presented by SmackDown Live. Like I said, looking That's like right. a stack show on paper. Uh, a lot of a lot of good matches here that have the potential to steal the show. But let's kick it off. Just announced last night. On the kickoff show on Sunday, it's going to be Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin taking on the Hyperos. So I guess this was set up on a uh, Fallout video on YouTube that WWE put out a couple weeks ago. Obviously, the Hyperos are having some issues right now. It looks like they're headed towards uh, Splitsville. They're going their separate ways sooner rather than later, and Gable and Benjamin are just starting out. So it seems pretty obvious that Gable and Benjamin are going over. Or uh, what, what do you think? What do you think, Spencer? Do you think the Hyperos somehow sneak out a victory here? Maybe they go heel? What do you think? Where do you think this is going? Well, I think it's very interesting because you mentioned it is, it's a full card. You know, it's definitely a full card for the show. Um, we were waiting for the kickoff announcement. It was bound to be something. Uh, but to me, it feels like this is the fourth or fifth time the Hype Rose have teased breaking up since the uh, Andre the, Mor- the Giant Memorial Battle Royal win mm-hmm. for Mojo Raleigh. So it feels like we've seen this before. So at this point, as predictable as it may seem, um, I, I, have, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, it makes the most sense, obviously, for Gable and, and Benjamin to keep their momentum going and beat the Hypros fairly easily. Um, but I, I would not be the most surprised if somehow the Hypros work through, the, through, through their uh, difficulties and pick up a win here. If Mojo Raleigh and Zack Ryder do somehow pick up the victory, or they stay together, but if they do go their separate ways... 
What do you think the future holds for both guys? I mean, like you said, Mojo Raleigh won the Andre the John Memorial Battle Royal at WrestleMania, but that was only with the help of Rob Gronkowski, or Gronkowski whatever, Gronk. And they really haven't yeah. done anything with him since then. I'm not a big football guy, so I forgot the guy's name. So um, what do you think they do with both guys beyond this point? If they do split up, do you see any future for these guys on their own on SmackDown? It is difficult, isn't it, to imagine a future where either one of these guys climbs their way out of the mid-card. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've, we've known already since the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal started, it hasn't necessarily been the Kickstarter for careers like we wanted it to be. Now, Baron Corbin is sort of an exception to that rule, but it's it's taken a lot of time to get him where he is now. Mm-hmm. So, with for Mojo Raleigh, I just don't see it. You know, he's not going to have Gronk by his side for the rest of his career. Um, I think people like him, but I'm not entirely sure he's anything more than a potential United States title holder, if that. Um, and then for Zack Ryder, it's the same story <laughs> that we've had for the last decade, it feels like. Mm-hmm. You know, people like him, but not enough to to really give him a reason to do more than what he's doing. So I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know if, if you feel differently, but I just I don't see a future where either one of them are really top guys. Yeah, no, I can't lie. I mean, I love Zack Ryder, but it's like, like you said, it's just been the same story for over a decade now. I mean, the guy is good, but he's 30-something years old, and they see him as a stepping stone for guys like Mojo Raleigh. That was the whole reason why they put them together in the first place, was to get over Mojo Raleigh. But even Mojo, like you said, I mean, he could be, maybe, and it might be a stretch, like you said, that to have him as United States champion or Intercontinental champion, but... Even that, I mean, the guy's just, he's just not that good. I mean, he's been around now for four or five years, including his time in NXT, and he really has not gotten that much better. So I don't know how far he's going to go. And like you said, he's got the charisma, and people like him and stuff, and I think he's fine as, like, a kickoff-level guy. But beyond right. that, I just, I don't really see where else he can go from there. But uh, well, Gable, I, I think you're right. People liking you can only get you so far, but yeah. the fact of the matter is, at the end of the day, it will boil down to how well you perform in the ring, and he just isn't on that same level. Definitely, definitely. And the weird thing is, is that for those two guys, as we just discussed, I don't really see too much of a future for them on their own. Whereas with Gable and Benjamin, they're a great tag team, and they've gelled well so far in the few appearances that we've seen from them on SmackDown. But they're the tag team. They're, they're, they're the ones that are being put in the tag team right now and in, in the tag team division and going for the tag team titles, which is fine. They need more tag teams on SmackDown. But uh, Gable's the one I really feel they can get behind in the future if they gave him the right push. And Benjamin's not going to become world champion, but he could be a great mid-card level guy and maybe facing AJ for the U.S. belt at some point. So maybe it's just interesting the way that it works out. But that is the kickoff match for Sunday. It should be good. Um, Kicking off the actual show, we'll talk about something glorious here with Bobby Roode making his WWE pay-per-view debut, taking on Dolph Ziggler now. I know this is a very spo- a very sore spot for our friend Noah, who is a massive Dolph Ziggler fan. And I've told him, ton- I don't know where you fall on this. I-, I feel like we discussed this when I saw you a few months ago. But for me, for Dolph Ziggler, the guy's great in the ring. This match could be a great opener. I'm assuming it's the opener, which is why I'm kicking off with it. Um, right. But I feel like with Ziggler, the guy's a really good worker, but it's just hard to care about him. I mean, between the feuds with Baron Corbin, Shinsuke Nakamura, this guy, that guy, all the people he's put over... It's very evident they have no plans to push the guy, and he always makes whoever he's in the ring with look good. That's never the issue. It's just that beyond putting a guy like Bobby Roode over, there's no future for him on SmackDown. So I can only get so excited about whatever he's involved in. Like, case in point, what they did on SmackDown this week, when he came out doing the impersonation again, or 
it was doing something weird and it went on for a lot longer than it should have and it was just not good TV. So, I mean, Bobby Roode is, again, he's 40-something years old, 39, not to say he's going to be the future for the next 10 years, but he could be a top player in this company. So, I think it's a pretty much a no-brainer that Bobby Roode goes over. But I want to get your thoughts, uh, Spencer, not only on who go- goes over here, but your thoughts on the status of Ziggler on SmackDown Live right now. Do you see much of a feature for him on the show beyond this feud? Well, I'll tell you, I completely agree as far as uh, as Rude being a glorious winner on Sunday. I, I don't see any doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as Dolph Ziggler, you know, it feels like, you know, like much like the Hybros, where we feel like we've seen the same thing again. It, it's just here Ziggler being repackaged in another way that shows his frustration with how he is booked and how he how his career has gone. This time it's something even stranger, you know, coming out and, and impersonating uh, entrances. You know, it's it's very different and very strange for me. And I, I like Noah actually really like Dolph Ziggler. Uh, from an in-ring standpoint, he really is fantastic. Um, but <laughs> I don't know if Dolph Ziggler is going to ever be, again, more than feuding with the Miz for the Intercontinental title because I feel like that inevitably will happen again. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it happen. feels like that's the way it goes. But mm-hmm. Dolph Ziggler, you know, one of those that could go down as one of the more underrated superstars in WWE history. I would say so. I mean, considering how he's been booked, a lot like Zack Ryder, he's been around for he's been around for a long ass time. Obviously, he's won a few a few world championships here and there, but he right. just never really reached that level that he should have for whatever reason. Maybe it was injuries, maybe it was backstage attitude, this or that. But he just never got to that level and stayed at that level in the main event scene. Um, but yeah, he's an interesting case, and I feel like I've gone over this a million times before. But I want to get your thoughts on it. I think Ziggler's contract, I thought it expired over the summer, then I read somewhere else it expires, I think this month, I'm not exactly sure, but it's set to expire soon. Do you think it would be for the best that he leaves WWE and goes out and follows kind of in the footsteps of Cody Rhodes and making a career for himself elsewhere in the world of wrestling, whether it be in New Japan or Ring of Honor or Lucha, whatever, um, and then eventually comes back to WWE, do you think that would be the best thing for him? I think that's a really interesting plan because he has the chops in the ring to be with anybody in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I see that being a very viable option for him. But as far as his personality goes, I'm not sure if it fits a Ring of Honor or a, or a New Japan. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he fits the WWE in terms of, of personality and in terms of charisma. Um, I do think stepping away and coming back could help him. But I'm not sure how much he personally would want to, to travel the world and kind of follow the Cody Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, like you said, I mean, I'm not. He he fits the WWE. It's just that that in staying here any longer, I feel like they have to realize what they've lost before they could start using him properly. And even if he was to come back, not to say that he'd be a world champion. He's like thirty something years old at this point. I think in his upper thirties. But the guy is good. At least he's making the most of whatever he's involved in. So I respect that. So we'll see what uh, shakes out for Dolph Ziggler beyond Hell in the Cell. But I think we can agree that Bobby Roode wins this matchup. Um, after uh, yeah, that, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like that one's a no-brainer. We go from there to the SmackDown Women's Championship, Natalia and Charlotte Flair rekindling a rivalry from NXT Raw. I feel like this is another match, a lot like with Miz and Ziggler that you talked about earlier. This is another match I feel like we've seen a million times over. They always work well together, a la Miz and Ziggler. But um, I I don't think Natalia's ever gotten a big win over Charlotte. I know Charlotte won the Takeover match. Charlotte beat her at that uh, the Canadian special, the Roadblock special they had a couple of years ago. She beat her at Extreme Rules and this pay per view and that on Raw and SmackDown and shit. Natalia's never gotten a big win over Charlotte. Now at this point, 
Would it mean much? I mean, Charlotte just tapped out to Natalia on SmackDown last night, so they've really right. not devalued Charlotte, I would say, but it's gotten to the point where she doesn't mean as much as she once did on Raw, and she'll be fine regardless. She's Ric Flair's daughter. She's always going to be over, uh, face, heel, whatever, but she's just not being as protected as a baby face, which I thought was interesting. So, uh, But they do go one-on-one on the pay-per-view, at the pay-per-view for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Who walks out with the championship, Spencer? And do you think there's a chance we see Carmella capture the title by cash uh, by cashing in her Money in the Bank briefcase? Well, I think this is actually one of the more interesting bouts on the card just because there are those possibilities. Mm-hmm. You know, there are more possibilities for the outcome here. Um, you know, the good news about this match is that we aren't going to see Bret Hart and Ric Flair at ringside this time around. It would just be the two of them, um, which is perfectly fine with me. And I think you're right. Uh, Natalia's never gotten that big win. And I'll and I'll say that it, that streak will continue unless. I think Charlotte will win unless um, the plan is for, for Miss Money in the Bank and Carmella to cash in. If that is the case, I think Natalia will win. And I think it's a very real possibility that this does happen. But if, if Carmella is not catching in, I expect Charlotte to be a five-time champ come Sunday night. I think for Charlotte, what they should do at this point, because they've held off on putting the belt on her for so long now, I think it'd be cooler if they had her chase the championship. Maybe not up until WrestleMania, because that's a long time away. That's like six months from now. But I don't know. They just give her more of a story. And the feud's been all right up to this point, but they could be doing more with her and putting the championship on her at some point down the road and giving her a reason to go after the title. But if, the, if she won here, I wouldn't complain because she's got a few potential feuds with Natalia and, and Carmella and a few others. And they bring back Paige to SmackDown. That's another one. So they have a few options here if they put the belt on Charlotte. Um, but you think if, if Carmella does cash in, do you think that she would cash in during the match in the same fashion that Seth Rollins did a few years ago, or do you think she would wait until afterwards? Uh, knowing the type of character that Carmella's had since she's won the briefcase, um, it definitely feels more like a post-match beat-down mm-hmm. type of, you know, picking up the pieces type of cash-in. Um, I, I think that you're right as far as um, putting the belt on Charlie right now isn't the most amazing thing in the world, but in the same way that Ziggler never was an amazing world champion that really could lead the pack. Natalia feels that way with the women's championship as well. Um, she's obviously deserves being champion. You know, she's put in her work. She is a great worker in the ring. Um, but she, you know, Matt and I, we always watch uh, wrestling together, and we've always just said that she is completely dead with charisma. Like, mm-hmm. she just has none of it. And, uh, and typically, those don't make for the best champion. So, if Natalia picks up the win here. Uh, I expect Carmella to come out and, and pick up the pieces, and, and definitely not necessarily Seth Rollins esque, um, but expect that type of boasting once it's said and done. Yeah, I think that'd be probably for the best. I mean, Natalia is she's a good worker, but for me, she's a lot like Dolph Ziggler, where she's been around for such a long time, where it's hard to care about her. And I just Agreed. don't find her to be a good heel. I mean, she's a fine babyface, but even as a heel, which I feel like was needed when she turned about a year ago, whenever it was. But, I don't know, she just doesn't have that charisma in my book either. So, I don't know, I would put the belt on Carmella. And Natalia is light years better in the ring than Carmella is, but at least Carmella has some semblance of a character that's not obsessed with cats or whatever. She has that new cat shirt out, which I think is <laughs> awful. Have you seen that shirt, by the way? I don't know, maybe it's just it's me, bad. but I think it's awful. It's so bad. <laughs> Although, speaking of merch, I do want to think, I think this is a good time to bring up the new Cesaro shirt. Oh, God. With smile. Oh, Come my on, goodness. Come on, that's gold. That, oh, Jesus. I saw that it was... It's it's priced at twenty seven ninety nine. Who would buy that? 
I but saw, why? Oh my god, I saw that. I was like, what the fuck? I, I'm thinking I might have to write about like worst merch like this year because that's certainly leading the list. Like, why oh, would you? Why would would you? <laughs> that's got to be definitely leading the list because I don't know why anyone even would bother buying that shirt, but. Oh, thank you for bringing back that horrid memory of that shirt. I was trying to erase that from my mind after I saw it on Twitter a few days ago. Man, Listen, that thing you're is awful. welcome. It's the least I can do. <laughs> Comes to the territory when you're here on the show. Uh, but anyway, exactly so we're, right. we'll, we'll talk about Randy Orton and Rusev coming up next. The rubber match. Rusev beat Orton in like 10 seconds on SmackDown recently. Or- Orton beat him in 10 seconds at uh, SummerSlam a few months ago. So we don't really know what they're capable of one-on-one. And I, I don't imagine it's going to be an in-ring instant classic or anything. It could be a good match. I don't really know. But the the real question is, do you care? I mean, with Roos, the guy's been on SmackDown now for a few months, and he really hasn't done anything. With Orton, it's been the same song and dance for a long time now. He recently just said that he wants to go back to being a heel because he hates being a babyface. So, regardless of who wins, like, where do you even go with both guys? I think Orton wins here just because that's the way the WWE books things, and they don't really give a shit about Rusev, but Orton's not really lighting the world on fire right now either. So, what are your thoughts in this feud, Spencer? Who walks away the winner? And, like, what what do you do with both guys to revive their careers on SmackDown? Well, I'll tell you that I feel very much about this feud, about this match, as it looks like Randy Orton feels every time he's in the ring. And that's bored. Mm-hmm. I, am, I am bored. I just, I don't care. You know, Aiden English does nothing for me to add on to this feud. Um, this is a, a Rusev character that really if booked correctly, could be very good. You know, he's got the in-ring skill. Um, people like to hate him. So, I, and, and he kind of almost picked up this bit of a, a funny, like, comical side of his character as well in the past six months or so. Uh, so I think there's something that is there that the crowd could get behind. Um, but you said it, is that they, they typically don't tend to book Rusev the best. So I expect Randy Orton to win here. But that kind of leaves them both going nowhere. Um, I don't know where else Rusev can go other than, you know, maybe maybe he could be a good challenge against Rude next after he moves on uh, past Ziggler. Um, you know, I don't know. Other than that, um, Randy Orton, I don't want him back in the title picture because it just feels like it's time for that to never be a thing again. But <laughs> if he turns heel, there's a very good chance that that's exactly what happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I would dig that. If Orton goes back in the title picture only if he's a heel... And let's say Shinsuke wins. We'll talk about that momentarily. But I, I could get behind that. A Shinsuke-Orton feud, I think that wouldn't be too bad. Their SmackDown match was really good. And whatever gets the guy motivated again. Now, you, you hit the nail right on the head when you said that he looks bored in the ring. He's looked bored in the ring with Rusev. He looked bored in the ring with Jinder Mahal. He looked bored in there with Bray Wyatt. I mean, when he was a part of the Wyatt family, that was some intriguing stuff. But that was a year ago. Like, it's been almost a year since that happened. And he's done almost nothing since. The WrestleMania match... You were there, too. Did you like the WrestleMania match, or did you think it was awful like I did? I want to get your thoughts on it. (laughs) Well, you know, I think that it would have been a lot more interesting if Randy Orton would have not looked bored during it. Yeah. If Randy Orton really sold the the pictures on the mat and all the weird camera stuff that they did, it really could have made for something very memorable. Um, But because it it came out so flat, um, it just looked like a failure from, from my fans. No, I agree. That was really the beginning of the end for, for Orton. Because before that, I mean, he had a really good match with Luke Harper at Elimination Chamber. But ever since WrestleMania, it's been all downhill for the guy. And I can't blame him for wanting to go heel because they're not giving him anything to work with as a babyface. Other than the fact that he hits his RKO out of nowhere. That, that's it. He just hits his RKO out of nowhere. That's the only real thing that we know about Randy. How, long, how much longer can we, can we use that? Exactly. Like, RKO out of nowhere. Like, it was really great for a minute. But it's been eight months since <laughs> <So, laughs> yeah. like... 
Why are we still dragging this around? Yeah, just what to sell T-shirts? It's like that's really all that the Orton character does for me right now. But I think Orton right. goes. If you want to sell T-shirts, just go back to Cesaro tooth shirt. I really think, or the Natalia <laughs> cat shirt. Like those are really the money makers. <laughs> Speaking of Orton, I think he'd be on my list, too. I don't know if you know what I'd be talking about, but they had a shirt for him. I don't think he wears it anymore. It came out a few months ago. Also this year, he had the green RKO letters. He might have debuted at WrestleMania. That was an awful-looking shirt, too. It was a green. That was bad. That was bad, was too. That would that'd be up on my list of worst shirts of 2017. So all these people we're talking about, from, from Cesaro to Natalia, Orton, for all the things they have in common right now are just bad T-shirts. Just bad, bad, bad T-shirts. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, so we go from there to the United States Championship. AJ Styles defends against Baron Corbin. I feel like at the last minute they're going to throw in Ty Dillinger. Because last night, Ty Dillinger, last week he, he lost via countout, which was weird. It's like, okay, if they're trying to build up Baron Corbin, why would he win a match by countout? This week they have a rematch, thinking, okay, maybe he finally beats Ty by pinfall. But then Ty Dillinger won the match clean. He beat him like a loser. So I'm not sure where they're going with this. Before, I was very confident that they were they were going to put AJ over Baron. Now I'm not so sure. Now I feel like they're gonna have Baron win just because he's been look like he's gonna he's been booked to look like a loser. So they're just gonna give him the championship to make the title mean even less. And I like Baron Corbin, but they have not done this guy any favors since he dropped the Money in the Bank briefcase in embarrassing fashion a few months ago. And it's just been one massive train wreck. And AJ, you can only count on to go so far to make your opponents look good. So the match could be really really good, but. I just don't think putting the belt on Baron is the answer, and I feel like that this is where this is headed, because which is, would explain why Ty won, and they could do Ty and Baron for the belt, but still, I mean, AJ's the guy to run with right now as the champion, if not the world champion, So, and I don't think he's going to go into the main event scene anytime soon. So, uh, Spencer, wh- where do you think they're going with this? Do you think there's a chance we could see a new champion crowned on Sunday? Well, you know, I, every time I get a notification on my phone, I just assume that it's going to say that Ty Dillinger has been added to this match, because mm-hmm. it just feels like it's has been like in the making and it just hasn't happened yet and it and it still might not happen uh, but that doesn't mean that he won't be a part of this match in some way uh, affecting the outcome I imagine um, if if Ty Dillinger is not put into this match and making it a triple threat um, it doesn't make much sense for Styles to lose the belt unless your plan is to give it to Corbin so he can feed with Dillinger um, and if the plan then is ultimately to give Dillinger the belt then I'm okay with that um, but other than that AJ Styles is the guy that you want to lead. I mean, he is, you know, the champ that runs the camp. And and despite the fact that he's the United States champion, he is still one of, if not the most interesting guy on the SmackDown Live roster. And sure, having him chase the title is interesting, but having him be the champ um, gives that title a lot more meaning than it would going to a Baron Corbin who has been booked almost silly since, since the uh, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's been very up and down for Baron Corbin. And, and AJ, I mean, he won the belt for the first time about two, three months ago. And soon after, he said, I'll be bringing back the Open Challenge, which got a lot of people excited. But then the KO feud continued, and then the Baron thing came along. So other than Ty Dillinger, we, we really have not seen any of the Open Challenge matches from AJ that people were hoping for. It's been pretty pimp by numbers so far, which is kind of disappointing because if anyone can bring back meaning to that belt and make it feel like the most important thing on the brand after the WWE title, which does not mean anything right now, thanks to gender, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. 
But yeah. um, with AJ, I mean, there's so many potential people on the show that he could work with, from Luke Harper, who we haven't seen in years. I mean, the guy's been gone forever now. But he could work with him. He could work with so many other guys on the show. They could bring out freaking Tyler Breeze if they wanted to, and they could have a great match. But they haven't really done that yet with AJ Styles. And they, they've barely tapped into him as United States champion. So that doesn't mean I think he's going over. I thought he would, but after what I saw on Tuesday, I feel like Baron Corbin's going to win, which... And again, I like Baron Corbin, and it would mean more if they built him up, but they just booked this guy to look like a loser. They had EJ say himself that he lost the Money in the Bank briefcase, he lost to John Cena, and he lost to Ty Dillinger, and they, they would not bring that up if even the company thought, uh, if the company did not think he was a loser, they would not have brought that up. But they did, because that's what, exactly what they think of him right now, because they have not been pushing him at the same with the same aggression that they were a few months ago. So it's it's been a really weird year and a half for Baron Corbin, from doing this to that to really not amounting to anything so far. But, um, oh, right. For, for as much up and down as he's gone through, he's still very flat. Mm-hmm. Um, the only way I'm okay with the Baron Corbin win is if we get a Ty Dillinger United States Championship win, kind of a la Daniel Bryan over the mid and over the limit. Like I could see that being um, you know, Ty Dillinger, the, the underdog, coming through and, and getting a, a big United States Championship win in the end. But if that's not where it's going, I, I see no reason to, to, to take the belt off of AJ Styles. Yeah, that would be a nice long-term plan. They wanted to build towards Dillinger winning the championship, and the only other saving grace of, of taking the belt off of AJ right now would be to put him in the main event scene, but like I said, I just don't see that happening anytime soon. If Nakamura loses, which he shouldn't, but if they do AJ and Mahal maybe, but even then I feel like, I don't know, I feel like what they're doing right now, they should just put the belt, keep the belt on AJ, put the belt on Shinsuke, and, and wait for AJ Nakamura uh, down the road, but... Uh, those are our thoughts in the U.S. Championship match. We'll move along here to the SmackDown Tag Team Title Match. Inside Hell in a Cell, the first ever tag title match to take place inside Satan's structure. It's the New Day versus the Usos, the feud that has never really seemed to end, but I say that in a good way, just because all these matches have been really, really good. From Money in the Bank, Battleground, uh-huh. SummerSlam, SmackDown, every pay-per-view they fought out, it's always been a great match. And it's really cool to see the Cell used for that purpose. I mean, it's very rare that the cell is like the be-all, end-all of feuds anymore. Last year, it was essentially a placeholder for feuds like Owens and Rollins and Charlotte and Sasha and all these other feuds. In this case, it really truly is the blow-off for these two teams. And I'm sure they could steal the show if they're given enough time and whatnot. Um, So it should be a great match. This is another match that could very well go either way because they've traded the championship back at least a few times over the summer. Um, so I really don't have a definitive winner. I'm just going to say the New Day because it feels like the Usos, they've already beaten Brazongo. I mean, I guess they could feed with Gable and Benjamin, but it might be too soon for that. I, I'm feeling an Authors of Pain call-up pretty soon, so an Authors of Pain New Day feud would be pretty cool. I don't know what their status is in NXT. They haven't been seen since TakeOver uh, in Brooklyn 3 a few months ago. So I'm, I'm going to say New Day, but what have been your thoughts, Spencer, on the string of matches these two, these two teams have had, and where does the division go beyond Hell in a Cell? You know, I actually love this feud a lot. You know, most of the time when we talk about WWE dragging out a feud, most of the time it's it's overstated, it's welcome. And it doesn't feel that way with this, this feud at all. I think um, the New Day and the Usos just put on amazing match after amazing match, and I really expect that to continue here at Hell in a Cell. I love the idea of Satan's structure being used to end feuds. You know, one of my favorite matches of all time is Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Inside the Cell from Bad Blood, you know, 12, 13 years ago. Um and the, the reason that match worked so well is because those two guys just hated each other. And after match after match, after moment after moment in that rivalry, it needed a definitive end. 
And that's what is happening here with the SmackDown tag team titles. I think just putting the tag team titles in the cell at all uh, does huge things for the belt itself. Um, but I expect another almost classic from, from these two teams. Uh, they work really well together. Um, I really, I think the New Day will win. I think you're right with that. I just, I, I think it gives the belt more of a future than the Usos taking it back over. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited about this. And, you know, we've, we've been worried about the Usos going to Raw. Um, at some point, I don't think that's necessary right now. Um, I think the tag team division in general in the WWE is better than it has been in a long time. Um, so I think it makes sense to keep the teams where they are. Um, but I like the idea of an Authors of Pain call-up to face the New Day. I, I love that idea a lot. Um, but expect expect them to get the time that they need, you know, 15, 20 minutes, and, and expect a really, really solid um, match of the year contender from these two teams Sunday. Absolutely. I mean, they've killed it, like I said, in every other match they've had on pay-per-view so far, and I don't think Sunday's going to be any exception from these guys, so it should be a great match. I think they should position it as one of the, and I mean, it has been positioned as one of the main events on the show. It won't be the main event, but I think it is the, I would even argue it's more important than the WWE title match, which I can't say I'm excited I, for. I will not disagree. I will not disagree with you. So I look forward to this match. If Sheen and Kevin Owens wasn't happening, I would say to close off the show with this match, but it's it's hard to top that just because it's been the focal point on SmackDown for, for a while now. Um, but I do look forward to it. I think an Authors of Pain call-up would be cool. If you had New Day win and then they come out Kane-style, like from, you know, a la 20 years ago, where he just, they'd break into the cage and just beat the shit out of the guys, that'd be pretty cool and a hell of a way to make an impact. Um, but, no, no kidding. That would be a cool way to, get, to do it, I think. And like you said, too, I mean, tag team wrestling right now in WWE has... Been has not been better in a long ass time, so it's great to see both on Raw and SmackDown. So it's great to see tag team wrestling get get the love it deserves from New Day, Usos, Rollins and Ambrose, the Bar, the Hardys, all these other tag teams. Just like I said, the only real question is where do they go from here? Can they top themselves after this feud is over? And I think they can if they bring up Authors of Pain. They could have a pretty good series of matches, and they've got Gable and Benjamin waiting in the wings. They still have Brazongo. So they, they got the makings of a real solid division there beyond these two teams. So here's hoping they can uh, continue on to the momentum beyond Hell in the Cell. So like you said, for the WWE Championship, we got Jinder Mahal versus Shinsuke Nakamura. A rematch from SummerSlam, which is where I felt like they should have done the title change. That's where it really peaked for me. Not that Nakamura is any less over than he was then. He's still pretty popular. Just, it's, it's hard to care. I mean, everything these guys have done... And I gotta give Nakamura some crap too, because I thought the promo he cut last night on SmackDown just it wasn't good. I mean he was he was short with what he said, but it just was not a good promo. And it would be one thing if he was in a program with someone who could talk, but Mahal can't talk either, so the whole feud has sucked. And the match at SummerSlam also wasn't good, so just uh, what are you feeling on this, Spencer? What's what's going on here with the WWE championship? Well, let me ask you this question. Is there anyone that could feud with Jinder Mahal? to make that belt feel important and to make Jinder Mahal feel important. Is there anybody on the roster right now? Honestly, in my opinion, no. I would have to say no. I completely agree. So what's the point? I understand, like, the shock value of Jinder Mahal winning the belt months ago, and I understand, you know, giving him a couple of wins to give it some credibility. But what I don't understand is having Shinsuke Nakamura lose to this man multiple times. <laughs> it makes it makes no sense to me at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it just it just doesn't. I, I, it's been another boring feud, uh, one that has uh, felt like it's just been the same segment over and over again for three months. You know, it's Nakamura saying a few short words, Mahal saying a few short words, and then the Singh brothers attacking. I mean, that's what it's been. And I'm just ready. <laughs> I'm ready for it to be done. So I expect 
although would not be surprised if this were not the case. I expect Nakamura to claim his first WWE championship here Sunday at Hell in a Cell. Um, hopefully, so we can try to, to unbury this WWE title. But, um, you know, at this point, nothing surprises me anymore. Same. I mean, I was feeling, I, I felt it was only academic to give the belt to Nakamura at this pay-per-view, but after what we've seen, I know Jinder laid out Nakamura last night on the show, but uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm going to say Nakamura wins, but it would not surprise me if Jinder retained. And it's absolutely the wrong move to make, because maybe if they wanted to move Mahal into a feud with AJ, first of all, the feud's got to end here. I know they were advertised for like a steel cage match at Starcade in the month and a half or whatever. It's got to end here. I just, no one cares about the feud, and I like Nakamura, but he's got to work with people that can bring the best out of him, not freaking, uh, not Jinder Mahal. Like you said, there is... Jinder Mahal is not that guy. He's not that guy, absolutely. There is, I think you hit the nail right in the head again, that there is no one on that show that can bring the best out of Mahal. He had a match with AJ Styles. Granted, it was a TV match a number of months ago, and it was mediocre at best. And AJ never has a mediocre match. Doesn't matter who he's in the ring with. The guy never has anything less than a good match. Absolutely. If AJ Styles can't bring out at least something watchable from you, then there's a problem. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what it feels like. It feels like Jinder Mahal is unwatchable as WWE champion. It certainly is. And Noah and I speaking to Noah once again. Shout out to Noah. We uh, we were doing hashtag Ask Sim a few weeks ago when we were hanging out, and we went on a rant for like 15 minutes as to why the why the Jinder Mahal experiment is not working. And I still feel that way. I mean, it was only two weeks ago. Nothing much has changed, but. Just to reiterate what we were saying, it's just it's not working. They got to take the title off the guy because it's killing SmackDown. And SmackDown has other issues, but this is chief among them. None other, nothing else comes close to topping the problem that they have with the top of the card with Jinder Mahal as WWE champion. It's got to end here. Got to take the belt off him. Give him his rematch at SmackDown on Tuesday and then just move on. I mean, as a mid card guy, he wouldn't be terrible to be honest with you. Like if they did Jinder and AJ as a mid card feud, I might get behind that because the whole age, uh, the whole USA thing and whatever. It might work, but as a championship, as a WWE title level, um, as, as a WWE championship program, it's it's not working. As champion, it's not cutting it. So I'm going to say Nakamura wins, but knowing this company, if they put Mahal over, it wouldn't shock me. It would very much disappoint me, um, needless to say, but it, it, I, Nakamura has to win. I just don't know what you, you else know, you do. I, I saw the rant on Ashley FM about the experiment <laughs> and I and it was spot on and it was it was comical but it was it was absolutely spot on mm. and it feels like if take take the WWE championship out of this match if the WWE title was not on this match this would be a kickoff show or the opener or you know the the match in between the two title bouts this this match is unimportant because mm. the only reason why it's even valid at all is because the WWE championship is there and as strong as the WWE title was, you know, even when it's when the brand split, it feels a lot like the World Heavyweight Championship did when it was opening the show while the WWE title was closing every pay per view. Mm -hmm. Most definitely, and I don't, and and there's no way to bring it back up with Jinder Mahal as champion. So it's got to end, and I don't see why it couldn't end this Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it should have ended sooner than this. I mean, the fact that it's gotten to this point where it's been almost five months now is almost ridiculous. And the reason why, another reason why I think they might keep the belt on him is because they're touring India. They're touring India officially in a few months. I think in December. They cannot wait that long. God forbid they wait until oh, December. Just kill me now. They would probably keep the belt on him until the Rumble at that point. But dear Lord, I mean, we cannot go on another few months with this guy as champion. 
it's just it's doesn't it doesn't work. Um, I mean, if they it, it, we've given it enough time, like after a month, that people were complaining and people were complaining, myself included. That's one thing, but it's been five months now. And like you said, you take the title away, it doesn't feel important at all, and it already doesn't feel important. It is for the WWE Championship. Um, but you know you, what I'm you know what I'm waiting for, Graham. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I know it's going to happen, so I'm waiting for it now. Sunday night, Jinder Mahal is going to pin Nakamura in the middle of the ring, and I'm going to look on Twitter. And you're just going to post that Vincent Man that you use all the time. Because fuck you. You know I fine. will. And I just know. I know what's happening. Like, I'm just, it, this is what's going to happen. And it's unfortunate, but it's, it is the truth. Oh, God. Yeah, you, you, you can see into the crystal ball because you know it's happening. Now I feel like I was going to do that anyway if you won, but you know me too well that I, that's absolutely going to happen. And not only do you know me too well, you know this company too well. That, that's exactly what they would do, <laughs> which I'm still going to say, I'm, I'm going to say Nakamura wins, but. God forbid if Chinder Mahal retains. And again, there's a good chance that it happens. But um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You said, you, you again, you said it just uh, perfectly that uh, it feels like the World Heavyweight Championship of like 2012, 2013 when it's kicking off pay-per-views and stuff. It just, it doesn't feel important. It doesn't feel prestigious. They got to move this title away from Mahal in order to make it feel important again as the top prize on the show, as it did when AJ held and an Ambrose held and even when Cena and Wyatt held, it felt like the top prize on the show. Not since Mahal won it, though, unfortunately. So we'll move from there to the main event. Shane McMahon, Kevin Owens, inside Hell in a Cell. So they added the stipulation last night. For whatever reason, but they did, it's Falls Count Anywhere, pretty much defeating the purpose of the cell. So I guess they can leave the cell? I mean, in, in past years, in past cell matches, you had to pin your opponent inside the cell. Um, but now, I mean, it would be one thing if, it, if they could pin them their opponent on at ringside like inside the cell but you know next to the ring or whatever and also on top of the cell but it's made they made it sound like the fight's gonna go all around the arena which completely defeats the purpose of the structure to begin with which wouldn't be the first time they've had people interfere as you know as you know as early as last year they just did it as latest as last year they had uh chris jericho interfere in hell in the cell they do it all the time it completely you know uh waters down the structure but it is what it is but uh, the fact of the matter is that aside, the match itself, the feud, has been great. Has been the most important thing on the show. Um, both guys have played their roles wonderfully. Kevin Owens has been uh-huh. a great, aggressive, dominant heel. Shane is the perfect babyface for fans to rally behind. Everything about this has been awesome. I'm glad it should be main eventing the show. Um, it should be a great match. The thing is, Shane has yet to win a one-on-one match since returning to the company. He lost to AJ at WrestleMania, and he lost to WrestleMania the year prior to uh, to uh, The Undertaker. So, he has yet to win a match. I mean, I think he technically won the Survivor Series match last year that he was a part of, but he doesn't have many wins under his belt. That's not to say that he should win here. That just makes me think there's a chance he might. It wouldn't kill Kevin Owens, but it just makes no sense to put a... 45, 50-year-old, out-of-shape Shane McMahon over Kevin Owens in the main event of a WWE pay-per-view in 2017. Again, it would make it just as much sense as having Jinder beat Nakamura, but which is exactly why they might do it. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to the match. I just I, I think there might be a chance that Shane wins. I'm going to stick with KO, though. So how have you felt on this feud, Spencer, and who do you think walks away the victor here? You know, I am excited about this match. Uh, it has been one of the better feuds this year, even, um, Kevin Owens playing the maniacal heel. Um, you know, I loved using Vince McMahon as a pawn. I loved using Sami Zayn as a pawn in this dude. It has worked out really well for them. Um, the, the false count anywhere stipulation is puzzling to me, but it makes me think one or two things will happen. Either that stipulation will ultimately be meaningless and they will get pinned inside the ring, mm-hmm. or they're going to get pinned on top of the cell. 
Mm-hmm. That's that's my only two thoughts. Um, you know, I don't ex- I don't expect Shane to jump off the cell again. You know, after you do it once, it's kind of <laughs> it's it's happened. You know, um, I don't expect that to happen. Uh, but I do expect them to get on top of the cell, and maybe that's where the match ends. Um, as far as a winner is concerned, I had the same thought that Shane McMahon has not won a match since his return, and if you plan on using Shane McMahon in the future, it's almost like he's going to need a win to seem like a credible opponent against someone. Um, but that should not be at Kevin Owens' expense. He has been incredible in this role. Uh, you know, I love I love putting the suit on Kevin Owens and having him be as evil as he ever has been. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, and especially if, you know, eventually this goes down to Kevin Owens Triple H, which is a, a very possible option, um, Kevin Owens winning here makes the most sense, whether that's the eventual outcome or just in general to keep Kevin Owens as strong as he is. Kevin Owens winning in what could be a brutal, brutal match, uh, at least by today's standards, I think would be the best bet here. Now, no, Shane McMahon is, you know, he's, he's, he's Shane McMahon. He's a 45, 50-year-old, out-of-shape guy, but this should be the WWE Championship match on the show. This feels important. KO is the best heel by far on the entire brand at the moment. So this feels like a main event-worthy championship match, and it's going to be the main event regardless. There's no doubt about that in my mind, but um, it should be... For the title, because Kevin Owens is the best thing going on the show at the moment, but it isn't. Um, I would say exactly what you said. To, in order to keep the momentum going for Kevin Owens, I would have him go over here. And I do like the ultimate goal of having him face Triple H at WrestleMania. Now, maybe he loses that match, because Sheen has been suffering. I mean, Triple H is a different story, but Triple H lost to Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns in back-to-back years of WrestleMania. Whether he loses for a third straight time, I feel like is unlikely. You never know. Um, but I would much rather be okay with Triple H beating Kevin Owens than Shane McMahon beating Kevin Owens. But in order to even get to that point, you got to have Kevin Owens win here. Maybe you write Shane off a of TV for a couple of weeks to keep Daniel Bryan as the on-air authority figure. Maybe somehow that leads into, like you said, Triple H or Stephanie coming over to SmackDown, and um, that kind of setting the stage for that feud in the coming future, in the coming months and whatnot. Uh, before we do end on this match, though, I do want to ask this, Spencer. There have been rumors going around that Kevin Owens might be traded to Raw after Hell in a Cell. For what reason? I have no idea. Um, just because, I guess, Vince McMahon hates SmackDown, but maybe they do a trade and they get someone else on SmackDown. I don't know, but still, I feel like Kevin Owens has been the star of the show, so logically, they'll move him off the fucking show. Um, so what have been your thoughts? What, what do you think about the rumors about Kevin Owens moving to Raw? Do you think it's a good idea? And if so, do you think if he does move to Raw, who would SmackDown get in return? Who should they get in return? Well, I, I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's a terrible idea. I think when you take Kevin Owens away, who do you have left on the SmackDown Live roster? I think we're going to get stuck with Jinder Mahal and Shinsuke Nakamura for the rest of our lives. <laughs> yeah. um, it just feels that way. But, I mean, you take Kevin Owens away, and you've got AJ Styles, and you've got, you know, Shinsuke, and you've got maybe Bobby Roode down the road. I don't know. It just it feels like they need him there. Um, if, they, if they push him off to Raw, who do they get in return? Uh, you know, they're not going to break up the Shield right now because we know that's coming. Um, so who do they get? Is is there anybody, you know, put the Miz back over there? Uh, you know, I, the Miz has been invaluable to really either show. Mm-hmm. He was great on SmackDown Live before he made the move, and, you know, I was skeptical about how well he'd be on, how well um, that would transition over to Raw, but it, it worked very well. You know, he has done exceptional. So it wouldn't surprise me if that's the move they make. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it seems like a very unlogical choice to move Kevin Owens. 
Yeah, I think the only person that would make sense would be Samoa Joe, who's been obviously gone from the show for a while now from Raw because he's hurt. He would be a good solid heel on SmackDown, but they shouldn't move KO for that. KO's been the best thing. I mean, I love Samoa Joe, but Kevin Owens makes the most sense on SmackDown right now. And like you said, all the Shield guys are on Raw. And I tweeted this out a couple days ago that if you move KO to Raw, what, is he going to feud with Roman and Rollins and Ambrose for the millionth time? Like, he's already had a million matches with with every single guy in that faction. And there's no other faces for him to feud with on Raw, except for what, like Apollo Crews or something. Like, who cares? So they should might as well just keep him on SmackDown. And I feel like if there's any place for Kevin Owens to get another shot as world champion, it's not going to be on Raw as long as Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar are there. It's not going to happen on Raw, so... They might as well just keep KO on SmackDown. And beyond Kevin Owens, they don't really have many credible heels on SmackDown. Mahal sucks. I mean, they've tried to build him up. Hasn't worked. Ziggler hardly means anything. Corbin's a loser. Rusev's a loser. Just none of these guys have been built up as well as Kevin Owens has. And Kevin Owens has consistently been the guy to go to. The go-to guy on either brand for as long as he's been around. Um, So I would have Kevin Owens go over here. Switching him to Raw would just be... Silly to me, which is exactly why I think they will do it. And once they do, you know I'll be posting that Vince McMahon gif as I always do. Or not, not the gif, the meme. I will be right there to retweet it. You know, that inevitably will happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's only inevitable. So uh, that being said, Spencer, uh, before we go off, 1 to 10, where is your excitement level for Hell in a Cell on Sunday? You know, I'll be real honest. Going into this pay-per-view, you know, a couple weeks ago, it was about a 4. Um, but given the Shane McMahon feud, that's bumped it up a couple by itself. Um, and I think there will be a couple of show stealers as well. You know, I think uh, Natalia Charlotte could actually be better than expected. And, of course, the Usos and New Day could tear down the house. So I'd, I'd say I'm a solid seven. You know, could be an eight depending on what happens, but a solid seven right now, and I feel pretty okay about that. I think that's good. I think it's always good to have your expectations, and maybe not like at a one, but like on the lower side, so it exceeds those expectations. Then again, that's what happened with Battleground. No one was looking forward to it, and it was even worse than somehow expected, so hopefully that's not the case. I mean, they, like you said, they have a lot of good matches on this show that could be potential show stealers from the two cell matches to the women's match to maybe Styles and Corbin if they add Dillinger, maybe even Rude and Ziggler. We'll see. So uh, it's a pretty stacked show on paper. So, Spencer, dude, it's been great talking to you. Long time coming having you here on the show. Um, you've been a big supporter of the show. I thoroughly appreciate it. We've been talking through Twitter for a long-ass time now. So, like I said, dude, very much a long time coming. And you're going to be at WrestleMania next year. Is that correct? It's in my backyard. It's in New Orleans. So of you course. know I'll be there. That's awesome, dude. Hopefully, I'm not – I don't think I'm going this year. But then again, I didn't know I was going last year until, like, the final, like, month and a half before the show – which Noah gave me a lot of shit about because he felt like I should have told him first. But uh, we'll, we'll find out as we go along. I'm pretty sure, obviously, Noah goes every year, so I'm sure you'll be seeing him over WrestleMania weekend in your backyard. That should be awesome. Um, but obviously, like I said, people can follow you on the Twitter machine, my man, at Spencer Hunt. Uh, any other things you'd like to, any other final words where people can find you on the, on the social medias, my friend? Well, you know, first of all, I just want to appreciate, uh, give my thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. You know, it has been a long time coming. I hope I do see you in New Orleans. That would be um, glorious, if you will. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, absolutely. Follow me on Twitter, at Spencer Hunt. Um, Instagram, at Hunt 25 You can find me on Facebook, any of that stuff. I'm all over the place, so find me there. I'm annoying sometimes, but most of the time I have pretty good stuff to say. <laughs> Sounds good, brother. I'll keep you posted on New Orleans at WrestleMania. We're about six months out, but 
I'm getting the WrestleMania uh, bug back. It's been about six months, and I'm already thinking about uh, going again this year because Orlando is so oh, much yeah, the, fun. Oh, yeah, the itch has started. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just, uh, we're six months out, but it's going to be here before you know it. And I was just thinking the other day what a fun weekend that was with you and Noah and everyone else in Orlando. And I'm looking forward to maybe topping it in New Orleans, but that's uh, to be announced. That's to be determined in the, in the months to come. So, again, dude, thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. We'll definitely have you on the show in the future, and I'll catch you on the road, brother. All right, Graham. Have a good one. Talk to you later. Thoroughly enjoyed the time talking to Spencer about all things Hell in a Cell and WWE. I'm sure we will have him back here on the show in the very near future. And once again, a big thanks to Cowboy James Storm for coming here on the show for what turned out to be an excellent episode of WrestleRant Radio. And as I mentioned earlier, big things pop and little things stop and or something along those lines, whatever MVP's catchphrase used to be. Uh, next Thursday here on the show, I got my exclusive interview with WWE superstar Sin Cara dropping, uh, talking all things WWE's relationship with Reebok Classic and Foot Locker, his time on SmackDown Live in the Cruiserweight division, wrestling from Texas, being from Texas and wrestling in El Paso where he's from, and all that other cool stuff. Um, I was able to talk to him earlier today. Really cool guy. Looking forward to having that interview drop next Thursday right here on WrestleRant Radio. And also the November 2nd edition of the show right here, College Humor's ex-employee Brian Murphy, the star of Pop TV's new show debuting in early November, Hot Date. He was really cool to talk to last week. Also a wrestling fan, henceforth why I'm dropping the interview here on WrestleRant Radio on November 2nd ahead of the show's premiere. Uh, the very next week. So a lot of things to look forward to right here on WrestleRant Radio, as well as a reunion show between me and Tommy Sharp coming back here on WrestleRant Radio for the first time in about five months. Maybe next week, maybe the week after. Uh, we'll review Hell in a Cell or preview TLC or something along those lines at some point uh, down the road or in the not-so-distant future. All that being said, guys, before we sign off, you can find me on the socials at WrestleRant on the Twitter machine on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Graham.Jason.Matthews. Um, also on YouTube at YouTube.com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews. And also I apologize for the awful quality, uh, the audio quality of today's show, at least the front end and back end as I'm actually recording this on the road, on the go, as I'm en route to my Fozzie concert, my first ever Fozzie concert in Western Massachusetts led by Chris Jericho. So hopefully I don't make the list for awful audio quality here today. Uh, but I do look forward to that concert. I look forward to next week here on WrestleRant Radio. A new episodes air every single Thursday anyway, right here on NextAirWrestling.net. All that being said, guys, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy Hell in a Cell on Sunday. Here's hoping it is every bit as good as it promises to be. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road.